Well, we're grazing through Genesis on Sunday mornings, and today we come to chapter 12. When we started this series, I had a mind to stop in chapter 11, but with chapter 11 ending with Abram, I just feel like let's keep going. And remember, Genesis is a book of beginnings. In the first 11 chapters, we get many important beginnings. And I've already mentioned before, these are fundamental that you grasp these things in order to get what, where the Bible's heading. And, but we get key events impacting humanity along the way in the first 11 chapters. But throughout the rest of the book of Genesis, we're going to get the beginning of the Hebrews. And it's going to go all the way through the 12 patriarchs, and we'll get the key events along the way there. And don't forget... All of this information is leading us up to Christ, ultimately. There's a lot of lessons to learn along the way, but we are we're being shown where Christ will arise from. The promised seed of Genesis 3.15, our Lord Jesus Christ, who in time here in the Scriptures right now, will arise and, and He will bruise the head of Satan. He's going to bring redemption to whosoever will, place their faith in Him. He is the one we are ultimately looking for on the pages of Scripture. And as we discussed in the last half of chapter 11, the seed line of Christ is now being narrowed down to Abram, who later will be called Abraham, who of course becomes one of the greatest figures to ever live. I mean, we used to sing songs about it when I was a kid. Father Abraham had many sons, right? I'm one of them, and so are you. I don't know all the, all the moves, but uh, I have no soul, amen? I got no moves. And so, he's one of the greatest names in human history. And when you think about it biblically, he's certainly one of the biggest names... And when you think about the world stage, the, the, the main three religions all tie in with Abraham. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And so this is an amazing figure that we're coming to is what I'm saying. Not greater than Christ, I'm not saying that. But, of course, biblically speaking, he becomes the father of many nations. Now, last week we saw at the close of chapter 11 in verses 27 through 32, the generations of Terah, who was the father of of Abraham, and I made application of the journey from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran, and then from Haran to Canaan, and spiritually speaking, from last week, you are in one of those three locations today. You're either lost in the land of your nativity in Ur of the Chaldees, and you need to be saved, or you're heading in the right direction And then maybe somewhere along the line you got hung up and you decided to settle down in Haran. And and I applied this to both the lost and the saved. It it could represent the the lost who never really came to Christ for salvation. And it could be applied to the saved who never sell out for God. But they're content just to dwell in Haran. And if you're in the land of Canaan in obedience to God, then keep enjoying His blessings by faith. It doesn't mean that you've arrived as a spiritual giant. 
It doesn't mean you have everything figured out. And you may still have some things you need to, to deal with, like we're going to see with Abram and Lot. But it means you're actively pursuing after God, and you want His will for your life. And so you're in one of those three locations today. For today, as we come to chapter 12, let's read verses 1 through 3. Or let's make that 1 through 5, because there's a couple things I want to say by way of introduction. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Well, you may recall we were told in chapter 11 and in verse 31 how Terah and his family had left Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. But understand that that was written looking back over Terah's life with the knowledge of the land where God was ultimately, ultimately leading Abram to go to. All of that is stated because it was known after the fact. Um, what we learn in verse 1 here is that when the Lord first calls out to Abram, Abram didn't know the particulars of where he was heading. It almost sounds like in chapter 11 and verse 31 that they had it all figured out. We're going to leave her, we're going to go to Canaan. But no, when, when we look at this now, we're kind of backing up a little bit here in chapter 12 to get some of the backstory. And what we find out is when Abram was told, you need to get out and you need to go, he did not know where exactly he was going. How'd you like to lead your family that way? Some of you may have been there. I don't know, but I just know God told us to head that way. And we're going to go. We're going to figure it out. I know some testimonies of people that just figured it out as they came. Said, I know God's calling me out there. I don't know the particulars. But wife, will you follow me? That's unsettling. He's called out, but he doesn't know where he's going. Look at what it says. Unto a land that I will show thee. Now, when did this call first come to Abram? Because I really kind of had to break this down a little bit to get all the particulars because when we read different passages, it may be a little bit confusing or it may seem like there was two calls. And so I'll just give you my opinion. We know chapter 11 ends while Abram was in Haran. And it may seem from verses 1 and 4 here in chapter 12 that God did not call Abram to leave until he was in Haran because we see the call comes from the Lord in verse 1 and then in verse 4 they depart Haran. And so it kind of seems like he's in Haran when he first get the, gets the call. But notice the tense in verse 1. It says, the Lord had said unto Abram. Meaning God had called out to Abram sometime in the past, sometime before they were in Haran. And we know from Acts 7, this call from God to Abram first came when he was still dwelling in Ur of the Chaldees. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. And he, speaking of Stephen, said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. 
before he dwelt in Haran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I will show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldees, and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. So verse 1 in our text is a reference to when Abram was still in Ur. He was still surrounded by all of his kindred. And as we saw last week, while Abram departed Ur, when he got to Haran, he dwelt there. And he dwelt there until his father died. And then verse 4 picks up here with Abram departing Haran and heading towards Canaan. Now, some suggest Abram received this call from God twice, once in Ur, once in Haran, but to me that call doesn't make, that, that, that idea does not make sense, and I don't think it's supported by the wording uh, of this passage. Because when Abram was in Haran, he was not where his kindred dwelt any longer. But that's the call, come out from your kindred. And that word kindred, it has the idea of your nativity. In fact, it's, in, it's interpreted as nativity a lot in English. In fact, it is in 1128, if you glance over there. It's the same Hebrew word here. And so I'm of the opinion the call from God to Abram in verse 1 took place in Ur, and the rest of what follows is now an outworking of what took place in um, his life as he moves along here. Now, it clearly took some time to come to pass. As we think about God telling him to go, it's uncertain how long they dwelled in Haran. I came across some opinions, but I couldn't find anything biblically to nail it down. But it would have been a lengthy period of time, relatively speaking, because we're told in 1131, they dwelt there, which means they settled down. They put down roots, if you will. They made that their home. And we see in verse 5 of our text this morning, they were in Haran long enough to have souls added to them while they dwelt there. And it reads to me almost like they gained more substance as well. Are you kind of picking up on that? And, and so, to be clear, we, we know the souls added were not any children of Abraham and, and Sarai because she's barren. And this could be a reference to Lot having children. It could be a reference to the fact that they may have picked up some servants along the way. But whatever the case, we see that they were in Haran for quite a while. Now, I give you all that as a background just to give you the time frame of what we're looking at here in chapter 12 in these opening verses but let's go back. We'll look at this more closely, and we'll just see how this goes. There's a lot of applications we can make. There's a lot of good stuff in, in this passage and, and that we can draw, but let's just see where, where the Lord leads us. So notice again the phrase at the beginning of verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, and I, I want us to consider how God is the initiator. God is the initiator. This is a call from God to Abram while he was in Ur of the Chaldees, the land of his nativity, the land of sin and idolatry. And it's important we understand this because what it does is it showcases God's great love for us. And I mean God's love to us in when we're sinners, before we're saved. God loved you. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You ever meditated on the utter hopelessness of your lost and sinful condition before you were saved? And I'm being serious. Have you ever just really meditated on this? Uh, if you've never been gripped 
by the depth of the pit that God pulled you out of, I at least hope, in, uh, I at least hope you're trying to fully comprehend how desperate your condition was before God saved you. Amen. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Galatians 3.22, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. Do you realize we did not naturally possess a desire to seek after God at birth? Now we're told that today by a lot of people. But that's not what the Scriptures say. You know, oh, God put this desire in you to fill this God-shaped hole and all this kind of stuff. Listen, however it makes you feel better, I don't care. But, but that's not what the Scriptures say. The Scripture says there is none that, that does good. There is none that seeks after God. We had a major problem. We, we're born in sin. We're, we're born with a sin nature. And all of us, hey, all of us have gone astray. We came up well short of the glory of God. But wait just a minute. If there's nobody seeking after God, then how are people being saved? That's my point. We needed God to initiate calling after us. Because we're sinners. We needed God to come after us. And in this, we learn of the great love wherewith God loved us. Because it was God who first called out to us. Now, please don't confuse this with the idea that some are destined to damnation before they were born, while others were destined to heaven before they were born. That doctrine leads to pride. That some are somehow worthy to be redeemed, while others God's not interested in. What a, what a miserable doctrine. Understand that God is always calling out to the lost to be saved. Why? Because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3.9 should settle that debate. But God is always calling. He's calling out. Listen to these passages. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity in the scorners, delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you, and will make known my words unto you. Go a little bit further in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1-5. through 5. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, and uh, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Some might say they found God, and I'm not against that statement. I'll probably use it again in my life, but in reality, it was God who had been calling out to us. God was seeking after us, as it were. 
it's important we understand this or we can begin to imagine that somehow we found God because we had some amount of good in us that was seeking after Him. And therefore, those who are remaining lost, you know what your problem is? You're just not seeking, right? And you're just not right. And you've got problems and you've got this. And we got to be careful with this mentality because we'll look at them as, well, you're just not as enlightened as I am. And if we're not careful, salvation can inadvertently be turned into a works-based system where we are pardoned because of our ability to be good seekers of God through our own skill and righteousness and all these things. And so I hope you see how easy it can be to fall into this kind of a trap. But make no mistake about it, God called out to you. God came looking for you. Let me just prove that to you, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to seek. Remember the words of the father to his son when the prodigal son had returned. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Remember the words of John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, And this was manifested, the love of God to us, word, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So when someone asks you, how did you come to know Christ as your Savior? The answer does not begin with you, but the answer begins with God. You've been saved because God loves you, and in God's love, He died for you and came looking for you. Now, in case there's some that are misunderstanding me, don't misunderstand me. There comes a point where we have to answer the call. We have a choice to make whether we're going to come to God by faith, but don't lose sight of the fact that God is the initiator. That's how much God loves you. And that's why this is so important because people have the audacity to say, God doesn't care about me. No, no, here's a man in idolatry and sin in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees and God calls out to him. What a thought. God loves you. God wants to save sinners. Well, if this is true, how come more people aren't being saved? I'll tell you why. It's because people are stubborn. It's because people love their sin. Those who don't come to Christ for salvation are willingly rejecting Him. John 3, 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation. Here it comes. That light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. Well, God calls out to Abram, and we see what the call is in the rest of verse 1. Look at this. Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. The call of God is to come out. Amen. The call of God is to come out. Come out of where? Come out of Ur. Come out of Babylon, if you will. Come out of that world system. Come out of that corruption. Come out of that sin. Come out of your idolatry. The call is to come out. And this is a major theme throughout the Bible. 
According to 1 Peter 2.9, we have been called out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. We're being called out of darkness to light. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Revelation 18.4 says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. God calls out to us, and then we have a decision to make. And ultimately, this call of God to Abram to come out was so God could bring Abram to Himself. Whoop. God wants Abram to, to, to come to Him because God loves him. And so it is with us. God calls us to come out to bring us to Himself. While God is the initiator, there comes a point when we have to respond to the call. What I want you to consider from God's call to Abram to come out is when we answer God's call, God never, hey, God never leaves us where He found us. You catching this? It's a call out of darkness into light. Now the particulars in your life may differ from that of Abram's and and other people, but listen to me, your life will change. God may not need to call you away from a physical location. He may not need to call you away from family. But when you yield yourself to God's call, God will not leave you as He found you. A change of some sort will take place in your life. It may be the places you go change. The things you say may change. The way you dress may change. The things you view may change. The things you listen to may change. Your relationships may change. And sometimes God will call you to change your physical address. In God's call to Abram, if Abram decides to answer the call and follow God, it is going to completely change his life. He'll have to leave behind all that was familiar to him and all of his creature comforts. To be obedient to God, he'll need to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. What is God saying? I need to have the preeminence in your life. Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Let's be clear, that's not a command to hate your wife and your husband and your children. But what it is saying is you need to go ahead and get it settled that God needs to be everything in your life. And and what we need to understand this morning is that sometimes following the call of God, serving God, obeying God's call is not always going to be easy. This This isn't a very easy thing to do. I mean, we can load up a moving truck and we can travel a thousand miles in one day. He's going over a thousand miles over a long period of time on foot. You you get the picture. This is a big deal. And, And so it's not always easy, but I don't want you to worry because God will help you along as you follow His call. You see, we're not expected to follow the calling of God in our own strength. God's going to say to Abram in Genesis 15, 7, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees. 
He called him out, but God said, I'm the one that got you out. Why? Because God is our strength. We rely on Him. Abram acted on the call of God, but God will bring us along as we are obedient to Him. And you see, it's a process. I mentioned last week, Abram was not fully obedient to God right away. And we'll get into this more as this unfolds, but the fact is, Abram did not leave his father's house when he set out. His father's with him. He did not leave his father's house. He did stop in Haran along the way, and he brings Lot, his kindred, all the way into the land of Canaan. But thank God, God is patient. He's long-suffering. We'll say more when we get to, I think it's chapter 15, but still, God isn't going to enter into a covenant with Abram until he gets all of this right. And God's going to have to force Lot out of his life. Now notice that while God called Abram to get out of his country, God did not tell Abram where he was going to end up. God said, get out and go and I'll direct you to a land that I will show you. And the fact is, this is how God most frequently operates. God calls you out. He calls out to you to call you out. But before God will reveal more to you, He waits to see if you are first willing to follow Him. you got to take the step. But so many people want the answer before they take the step. God said, get out, I'll direct you. And, and we, we have to understand that we, we need to follow God, not because of where He's taking us, but because of who God is. And this requires faith in God. Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after uh, receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And listen to this. He went out not knowing whither he went. He, he left by faith. God wants, us, God wants us to exchange the known for the unknown. God wants us to exchange what we can see for what we cannot see. You see, God expects us to live by faith. God does not tell us where we're going to end up in this life at the beginning of our journey. I know for me, I wouldn't have been able to process it all had God done that. Ha, 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 pastor. Good one, Lord. We couldn't even begin to process it or understand it all. Or if God's tried to show us everything at once, we might become fearful. Or we might become tempted to get ahead of God. Man, I like where this is heading. Or we might fall behind God. I don't want to get there, Lord. So what does God do? He leads us along as we exercise our faith and our trust in Him. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Stop being so concerned with where following God will lead you and how everything is going to play out. Just be content to follow God today because He's worthy. But I also don't want to minimize the fact that God has a plan for your life. He does. The Lord called out to Abram because God had a plan for his life. Listen, don't worry about the end result of that plan. Don't, don't worry about all those details. Simply trust God. Follow the leading of God as He speaks into your heart. We also see from verse 1 how God not only has a plan for your life, but God has a place for your life. 
the two go hand in hand. God's plan will bring you to a place. Let me put it this way. God will not only call you to serve, but He will lead you to a place where He wants you to serve Him. Okay, I'm not connecting. Let me put it this way. God may call you to serve, but He's going to bring you under the authority of a local church, a place to serve. I kind of I get cringed a little bit when somebody's called and they go out and they serve without a local church. God wants you to serve, but He has a place for you to serve. When God calls us to go out, He does so in order that we might come into something better. Deuteronomy 6.23 says, God brought the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt in order that He might bring them in to the land. God's calling you out to bring you into something that's bigger than you. And, And really something that's better for your life. Even though you may disagree with that. In 1998, God called my wife and I out of our country. And even though I, we were in Virginia, our, our families were in Georgia, God had to call us further away from our kindred and call us away from our father's house, both of our father's house. And God took us to South Korea. And many of you have a Genesis 12 experience in your life. And, and the fact of the matter is a lot of us have, have been transplanted to this place. But we're not originally from Rapid City, South Dakota. But here we are. And my wife and I, we had been saved already, but it was there after being called out from all that was familiar. God began to show me that He had a plan for my life. Well, the plan was always there. I just didn't want to recognize it all the time or draw close enough to the Lord to find out. You with me? But, but there I, be, I began to understand some things uh, about the Lord and how much He cared about me and that He, he had a plan for me. And, it was, uh, and listen, it wasn't that either set of parents were, were ungodly. It wasn't that we were raised in idolatry in Ur of the Chaldees. Listen, we, we had good upbringings. Um, both of our dads were preachers. I, I, but, but listen, God still needed us to get away. And as God brought me out, He did not say where I was going to end up. Is everybody with me? All I knew was, I had become convinced I needed to answer God's call in my life. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know it was to preach. All I know is Thanksgiving weekend, 1998, bowed at the altar at the haven. I said, Lord, here's my life. However you want to use it, it's yours. Of course, later in January of 99, God called me to preach. But, but I had become convinced to answer this call. And, and I want you to understand that that first, that that first answer was not answering a call into some capacity. It wasn't that, Lord, I I want to be a preacher. It wasn't, Lord, I think you're calling me to preach. It was none of those things. But I want you to understand that first call, that first call was, I just need you to draw nearer to me. I I just need you to come closer to me. I need to have your life. And in order for me to get your attention, I had to bring you out of your country. 
I had to take you away from your kindred and I had to take you away from your father's house because I want your life and you need to draw close to me. I hope you're following what I'm trying to say. And, 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 on the, and, and, and there, I answer God's call to follow Him. The best I knew how in that moment, I yielded my will to the Master's. I didn't know what all that meant. I didn't know where that would lead me. I'm not sure Abram understood it all. He leaves with his father's house. He takes Lot into Canaan. I didn't understand it all, but the best I understood, I said, Lord, here's my life. I had no clue at the time God would call me to preach. Hey, it definitely never entered my mind that I would be the pastor of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle over 17 years later from that point. And to be pastor of such a wonderful church. Amen. Y'all are a pleasure. I hear some horror stories from pastors. I'm like, good night. I, I thought it was bad because we had Pastor DeGarmo on staff. But no, there's, there's churches that are way more. And, and what I'm trying to tell you, I love you, brother. I'm only teasing. You're awesome. Because he looked like he was ready to pull out his weapon. In short, I can tell you this. On that day, when I said, Lord, whatever you want, I had no details whatsoever. I knew nothing. I didn't know where things were heading. But I heard Him who was worthy to be served with all my life. And I knew I needed God's leading in my life. There have been ups and downs along the way. And frankly, there are still things that I'm battling. I'm not trying to act like some spiritual giant. But there was a desire back then to know and serve God more in this life. God said, I want you to go. I'm sure there were times, and I can take you back in my mind to certain events where I basically said, Lord, where are we going? And God said, don't worry about that. You just enjoy walking with me today. You do my will today. I'll take care of all the rest. And I can tell you it's wonderful to know that I'm right where God wants me to be. I was reminded of a great hymn penned by B.B. McKinney in 1936. It's the first song I ever sang in church. I'm not a singer. But it's wherever He leads, I'll go. It goes like this. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know. And in that will, I now abide. Wherever he leads, I'll go. It may be through the shadows dim or over the stormy sea. I take my cross and follow him wherever he leadeth me. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord, and King. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Wherever He leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Maybe God is calling somebody out today. Maybe you understand, you know, yes, I believe God has a plan for my life. And maybe you're apprehensive to follow 
God fully because you don't know where God is leading you or maybe you're afraid of how your life is going to change. Listen, don't get so hung up on what you don't know that it causes you to lose focus on what you do know. Say, what do we know? That God is worthy of your life regardless of where He may be leading you. Just live for God today and allow Him to take care of your tomorrow. Our Lord doeth all things well. Trust in Him, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to tell God today, wherever you lead, I'll go. Maybe you're lost today, but you finally sense the call that God is initiating to bring you to Himself in salvation. Maybe you finally understand the great love wherewith He loves you. God wants to save you today. He won't force you. You'll have to come to Him in faith. But if you do, you'll know what it means to be born again and you'll have your sins forgiven. Hey, wherever He leads, I'll go. Let's pray.